Hello everybody, welcome to Farscape Rewatch episode 19. Lucky 19! Is 19 lucky? This not, episode isn't that very lucky. I would say not for our heroes. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as usual, of course, I am Carmel Hatson. Joining me is Red Nightmare. Hello. And we're going to talk about the episode Nerve of Farscape Season 1. Yep. We're in the last four episodes now. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of a four-part finale, really. Yeah, that, from what I see, also goes neatly into the start of Season 2. Yeah, so this is like the start of the season finale right here. Yeah. So we're on the home stretch. We're nearly done with Season 1, holy cow. Uh, 20 we're, weeks, we're, you know. We're creeping up on half a year. I guess we are. Wow, hey, what do you know? 26 weeks makes uh, half a year. Yep, all right, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but this week we're going to talk about the first part in the ending saga of season one and it's a it's a good one there's a lot to like about this episode mm-hmm. and we will talk about that in detail let's kick things off and we start out with erin is up and about she seems to be okay and is doing some boxing with like a punching bag so it looks it's an alien sl- punching bag so it's a different shape it's slightly different yes <laughs> uh, but you know she seems fine at first but then Crichton comes in and says, where were you? We called you to come get some food. And she's like, I'm not hungry. Whap, 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 whap. It's still rude not to answer. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, are you okay? And, you know, you were stabbed uh, last, last episode. Last episode. And she's like, I'm fine. The muscles have totally healed. And then she starts vomiting blood up on the um, punching bag and collapses. And Crichton is, like, freaking out a bit. Like, the hell's going on? She's like, I'm not lying. The muscles are totally healed. However... He struck my central nerve, which doesn't automatically heal. So I've got like 50, 60 irons left. So yeah, Aaron's dying. And this is how we start off the episode. Hi. You know, start off strong, I guess. And so the only way to save Aaron's life is a tissue graft from a compatible donor. But we're nowhere near a sebation colony. And John's like, but we are close to a peacekeeper base. And they even left the address. Oh, because last week, uh, Larock actually gave them the address because it was on a need-to-know basis. Yeah, and I have to say, already we're getting like continuity and things leading into other things. It's not like episode of the week. No, nope. now it's like an overarching plot. And so John's like, right, okay, we're gonna go to the Peacekeeper Colony. We're gonna get you a tissue sample. We're gonna, you're gonna be fine. Never mind that it's really, really, really dangerous. And really, really, really stupid. It is kind of stupid, but, like, we've seen that John, you know, obviously, it's quite clear at this point that John is pretty much in love with Aaron, and yes. he's willing to go to any lengths to do something for her. Now, to the episode's credit, Crichton floats this idea with everyone else. And everybody else is like, uh, no. That's a terrible idea. Especially Rigel, actually. Rigel is kind of the voice of reason in the, that scene where he goes, goes up to command. Yeah. <laughs> Rigel points out that it's incredibly dangerous. It's pointed out that the charade that Crichton put on last time didn't work entirely. It only worked for, like, a small group of them. And it only worked for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> so how are you going to pull this off in an entire base? Yeah, it's like, this is kind of a crazy plot, but he's not going to let Aaron die, and he's very determined. Mm. And basically he has that kind of look in his eye of, like, don't mess with me on this. No. I like that 
he's like, okay, so what do we do? Let Eren die? And that's pretty much shakes everybody up like, yeah, that's probably not something we want to do. Yeah. Rachel's like, look, we need to face facts. Eren is dying, and the only thing we can do, and John interrupts him like, are you saying what I think you're saying? And Rachel's clearly scared of John. Well, yeah, I think... As he says that. I think the exact line is something like, were you saying something, Sparky? And it's like, oh shit, okay, yep, yeah, no, we got save Aaron's life, yep, sounds good to me, sounds good, sounds good. And he's like, okay, yeah, let's do that. That's actually kind of where we get the titles, where it's like, we're going to do this thing. So, Crichton is now wearing the Peacekeeper uniform again, slightly different version than the one he this, wore last time. This, this looks like a commando u- uniform they took yeah. from one of the oh, yeah, it is actually people showing up. But uh, yeah, he's going to take Aaron's prowler. Because they've arrived now at the Gamak base. It's on the moon of a big gas giant. Basically, Moira's hiding in the gas giant's shadow so that the base won't pick them up. Yeah, I like that pilot says, it's an uninhabitable gas giant. I'm like, isn't that always the case? I don't know. In sci-fi, you can come up with kind of a reason that you know, maybe there's like a habitable zone of gases in a certain at a certain height. There's, something there's, like that. There still would be anything to live on. You make something like Cloud City, you know. <laughs> that's true, Star actually. Wars, yeah. that's the thing. You're right. Uh, that's the thing. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> we're getting off topic there. Sorry. That's all right. But the Gamak base is on a moon of the gas giant, which is is habitable, has atmosphere and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's going to take the prowler out and go down there and um, basically try and bluff his way in, get the tissue sample and get out again. Yeah. Uh, but as he goes down to the hangar, guess who's there? It's Chiana. Oh, I was going to guess Rigel. I guess wrong. And Chiana is actually volunteering her services. She's like, I'll come with you and help you. Yeah, because I'm a thief. And you need a thief for this. Crichton's not a very very good rogue. <laughs> He's low stealth. Yeah. I love low stealth. Yeah. So not we... very good sleight of hand. So you need someone with those talents. And also, when pressed by Crichton... She admits that she wants to start earning her keep on the ship. She doesn't want to just... Oh, crap. Yeah, it's like... And eh. Crichton calls her out on it. It's like, no, 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 no. You're looking for something else. You're, <laughs> look- you're playing the angle here. What is it? But I do like she produces the ident chip. Yeah. Lorac, which we saw she snatched during the last episode. Yeah. It was actually something I noticed because it's very clearly pointed out that she snatches this ident chip and it comes back this week. Mm. So that's one episode that directly... Uh, Yep. Ties into this one. I'm going to keep a score. Of uh, previous continuity? Yes. Nice. By the way, she's like, okay, you're going to need this, you're going to need the chip. Not to get ahead of ourselves too much, but given how much that actually comes up later on. Yeah. What the hell was John going to do when he got down there? (laughs) Bluff his way through. You don't need to see my identification. (laughs) You can't Jedi mind trick these people, John. <laughs> You're not even a Jedi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so both Crichton and Chiana get in the Prowler and uh, head down to the base. And we see a CG shot of the Prowler flying away. And we actually see an exterior shot of the Gamak base. It looks so, like dumb. I mean, it doesn't look like a nice place. I, I also like how John points out it's, pro- it's probably been nuked or something a long time ago. And it's just, it's grey, it's like a big slab of rock with some buildings and hangars on it. And once again, this hasn't come up for a while, but I, we've got that uh, element of vertical design. 
which we've seen all the time in Farscape. It's when you see like another alien city or like certain spaceships, and it, there's like a big featureless grey rocky plain, and the Gamak base is kind of in the middle of it, jutting up at out of mm-hmm. it. But yeah, and it seems that there are several of these locations jutting up. I just like that repeated kind of motif of vertical design. I don't know particularly that it serves a purpose, just that it's something different and unique to Farscape, as far yeah. as I can re- recall, which is I I like cool. it, because it's, it's, it's a counterpoint to the usual large, expansive, broad cities. Mm. Instead of going, they go up, which, frankly, is what we do all the time, so I don't get why <laughs> sci-fi doesn't, doesn't do it more often. So uh, they're flying in, and the radio tower kind of comes in and is like, identify yourself. Who are you? And so Crichton puts on his peacekeeper accent again, yeah. which is kind of slightly posh, vaguely <laughs> posh. English sort of. I was going to say, I still can't put my finger on it. That's yeah, he's, he's not doing a great job of it, but, you know, he's trying. I'm going to shoot you down if you don't identify yourself. It'll be a very bad idea, considering I'm your ally. <laughs> it's like, oh, identify myself over an open channel. Don't be stupid. And it's yeah. <laughs> And after a bit of back and forth, uh, he actually kind of manages to talk his way onto the base and get a landing vector. And he's like, please don't shoot me down before you check my ident chip, which, like you said, comes to be useful. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like, okay, maybe he, he would have got past that first stage. You know, he's like, okay, check my ident chip. So they get down, and they're like, the peacekeepers are pointing guns at him. It's like, we need to see your identification, sir. So he gives them the ident chip. They scan it. It works fine. If Chiana hadn't given him the identity this is the point at which john dies yes <laughs> so if you were so lucky he would have died that's true actually so it's a good thing chiana came along then <laughs> yeah and he's doing the same thing he did last time which is he's passing chiana off as his server as uh yeah yeah as... and chiana is turning heads again yep as you know she's kind of hamming it up a bit being the sort of flirty sexy type just like hey everybody yeah did um, it get warm in here Ooh. a little bit like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. she does say that when she gets out the it's warm uh, in here. well because you know, peacekeepers peacekeepers you know heat all that wait okay. no wait why is wait, it warm yeah, why actually, is it no, warm in there wait no wait wait, wait. <laughs> Maybe it's just the hangar bay because there's all the spaceships in it or something. I don't know. I, or she's just hamming it up. That yeah. could also be <laughs> That's true. So he's flagged his way on and they're believing him for now because he, he is posing as Lorak. Yeah, because uh, he's basically like, I'm Lorak. And of course, nobody here has seen them. And peacekeepers don't add photos to their identity. Yeah, they don't have like an, an ID badge. No. After the, Maybe they should. I mean, <laughs> it's not that hard. To, I mean, I get it's a digital badge. But you could just put a photo of Lorac on yeah. there. Like. <laughs> and then we walk up in the club. Like, what up? Peacekeep- the actual bar. It's an actual, like, Peacekeeper bar. They're trying to get some information, basically. And uh, Chiana is flirting with everyone. Yes. And John is kind of at the bar drinking, sort of like, pl- playing up his kind of stick-up-the-arse uh, Peacekeeper act. Mm-hmm. He's talking with the base commander. Uh... Yeah, Commander Jevio. Somebody in the background. I I know you said it, it's probably not him, but I swear James Cameron is in this episode. <laughs> there is a guy. Person in the background. There is a guy. Yeah, who has like the same kind of hairstyle and gray hair, and it does look a bit like James Cameron. It's too, it, like the camera hangs on him 
for two shots for too long for no apparent reason other than it probably is James Cameron uncredited. I don't... Mm. Maybe he was just around there like, you want to be in an episode? And he was like, yeah, sure. I don't know, I'm not convinced. <laughs> Who knows? But then we have somebody else walks up in the club and... It's Gimp Man! <laughs> uh, yeah, it is a little bit, but this, <laughs> this shot, though, is like... Everyone in the club, it, it's sort of fairly noisy. They're all, you know, drinking and doing all that. And then we cut to the entrance where we have another figure standing there, head to toe in black leather, yeah. with basically the kind of face mask that is... It's basically yeah. a gimp mask, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, there's a lot of... There's a lot more space. It's not yeah. like zipped, <laughs> zipped no, up no, no. mouth two eyes. It's actually the one where you can see most of the person's face. Yeah. And he just kind of stands there and looks around. He's got big shoulder pads that look kind of scaly as well. Looks around and then leaves again. Yeah, and <sighs> the base commander's like, well, time to get to work. <laughs> In a moment. Yeah. He's like, oh, oh, I have to go. <laughs> very imposing figure. Yes, a very imposing figure and a very familiar figure to people who already know where this yeah. is going. <laughs> do some later in the episode. I have to say, I was, I was very excited. <laughs> I, I was as well, but I, I'm sorry. The first first thing I thought when I saw him was like, it's Gimp Man! I mean, you're not wrong, though. Like that is, like, That's not an unfair no. uh, reaction. So uh, now that uh, Jevio has left, Crichton calls Chiana over, and he's like, what the hell are you doing? Bringing attention to us? And he's like, I am distracting people so they don't look at you and trying to get information. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, like the rogue... It's supposed to do. Yeah, that's John. You're the bard at best, remember? <laughs> Let her do her thing. So they've been given quarters now, and they head out the bar to go there, and they need more ID verification. All right, scan the chip. That's fine. You must also submit genetic verification. Yeah, put your hands in the genetic scanner. We'll check if you're actually Lorac. And... Oh, excuse me. Oh, well, this is the part where everything falls apart, right? And I like that John's actually bluffing his way through this. It's like... He knows he's Seriously, gonna... do you need my identity yeah. again? Yes, what? also genetic verification. You know who we are. <laughs> I'll have your Mevox for this. Yeah, like he knows that he's going to fail the, the test. So he's trying to overrule yeah. the security officer, and that guy isn't having none yeah, of it. Yeah, it doesn't work. Uh, so he's like, right, I guess i got to put my hands in the thing. So then fun. I like this. Again, this is a commercial break right here. Like yeah. when, he, when he puts yeah. his hands in. I saw that as well. There's like the fade down and fade back on exactly the same shot, which is like, okay, that's where you put a commercial break yep. for maximum tension. Yeah. <laughs> and he sticks his hands in, you're a buzzer, the lights go red, and apparently he's been identified. I... Yeah, everything's, apparently everything's fine. I and... love how they took a red light and say, okay, everything is fine. Because for a moment until the, the officer says anything, you're like, ah, <laughs> oh, shit, the gig's up. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently, no. No, so it scans just fine. Something else is up here. So they walk out to go to their quarters, and uh, the guy who was uh, sort of guarding the place uh, was like, I'll walk you there. Don't, and Grant's like, I'll find it myself. Goodbye. Dickhead. <laughs> he doesn't say that last bit, but it's implied in the way he says it. Oh, but uh, as they're on their way to the quarters, John gets called aside by a female peacekeeper. Yeah. And holy shit, it's Jelena yeah. from PK Tech Girl. What? Like, was... holy crap. What are you doing here? 
And that's exactly what Crichton says, like, what are you doing here? And she was reassigned from Crace's command carrier to the Gamak base to work on a top secret project, which yeah, she assumes is a weapon. weapons development. John's like, oh great, more weapons for peacekeepers, because that's what we need. <laughs> yep, sounds good. But it turns out she was the one who overrode the security, because she saw Crichton walking around in the base previously, and she's like, okay, I know that you're not going to pass the genetic verification, so she kind of hacked the terminal to uh, let him through. Yeah, just give her green light no matter what. Well, red light, but yeah. Yeah, actually, <laughs> fair point. And See, this is why that's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so Crichton explains what's going on, and that Aaron is dying, and yeah. it's like... And during this, we cut to Scorpius and the base commander talking, Saying about, yeah, we need the Aurora chair, uh, I need more staff, or, you, or you're mismanaging. And we cut back, and I'm like... Yeah, that was a weird a weird what? kind of scene transition. Like It ends up be having no reason being there. Yeah, that... that it's a, also, um, the, the cut is weird. Like, there's a really quick swipe, yeah. and like a... Whoosh. So it's like a very emphasized cut. Which is weird, because that type of cut you use... When something that a character references in scene one directly correlates to what you're, what what's yeah. happening in scene two, and yeah. there's no correlation to what we're, what they're talking about and what Scorpius is doing. No, that's a bit. Odd. Yeah, that 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 scene kind of does stand out. As oh, by the way, not being give there. man is Scorpius. Sorry, I, I don't know if we've mentioned that. Yeah, I mean you can figure that out. Yes, get man is Scorpius. Commander Scorpius. Oh, Scorpius. So Commander Gipman. So good to see you at last. Yes. <laughs> we'll get back to it, to it more, because, but I noticed that we were using the voice, with, uh, the name, without actually having name. I mean, it. it's kind of, it's a bit of an affectation at this point, because we know who it is. It's a rewatch podcast. There's a good chance you know who it is, yeah, if you're listening. Might be. I mean, some, a lot of people are Listen, listening to this without actually having seen the series. So. That's true. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, that scene doesn't really need to be there. It doesn't do anything. No, it's just a little bit distracting, but it's, I wouldn't say it's necessarily detracting anyway we yeah. cut back and um you know he's explaining what to do and i like that basically he says like we need a tissue sample to save Aaron's life you know can you help us and she's like yeah she doesn't even hesitate she's like yeah no absolutely i like that it's like sure why not in pk tech girl it took Aaron and jelena a long time to actually trust each other but at the end they did realize that they were on the same side and she's also i mean she's willing to do anything to help john you know basically mm -hmm. and so we cut back to moya and aaron is lying on her bed in her quarters and rigel is kind of hovering there and and she kind of comes to and is like oh uh, i was just coming to uh, see how you were <laughs> no you were coming to take my stuff it's like, oh, I how I resent this accusation. I, besides, <laughs> like we know we know you're going to do this. We've seen this in an episode before. Well, I, I like I like he's like I resent this uh, accusation. She's like, well, I don't have anything. <laughs> but then Dargo interrupts them and uh, basically says like, Rigel, we need you in command. He's like, oh really? Why? It's like in case we need to make a quick decision. He's like, hmm. I humbly accept this uh, position. I'll go. Yeah, I'll wait. I'll wait. Uh, when you need a quick decision and the right decision, I'll be. I'll, I'll go. <laughs> like that, he's appealing to. He's appealing to Rigel's ego, which is <laughs> always works. But always Rigel. effective. Always, always appeals to his ego. Uh, and uh, so Aaron's like, "Thanks for getting rid of him." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
and she says, if a warrior can't die on the battlefield, at least you can die alone. And Dago seems to get that, and I, I like that he actually kind of seems, it's subtle, but he, he seems to be upset over this as well and hurting. It's like he's got a kind of solemn look on his face of like, Oh, this this kind this sucks. I mean, it's it's already there in the start of the episode because yeah. Dargo says, it's... "I don't want Aaron to die either." John calling him by his first name. Right, you know? right. I completely I completely forgot. That's actually guess... really important. <laughs> Do you remember like the first couple of episodes? Yes. And how Dargo felt about Aaron? Yeah. And now now he's like, "I don't want Aaron to die, John." It's two parts. One, it's very clearly that he has grown fond of Eren yep. as an ally, and also that he calls Crichton John. Because yes. that switches in, I think, it's a human reaction. The moment they say goodbye, that's the first time he actually calls him John. Yeah, and it shows that they're getting yeah closer, and uh, it really sort of emphasizes how much everybody's changed, And because I, I was thinking back of like, wow, like Dargo feeling for Eren and, you know, not wanting to lose her as a friend... It's just so like polar opposite to how he behaved at the fir- at the start. It makes sense if you oh, see yeah. how many things they've shared together. I the know se- Ex- se- <laughs> exactly. Like even in Dave got a secret where we learn about Dargo's family. He shares that with Aaron, and Aaron's like, "I'll take this to the grave." Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why I like this so much. It's like, yes, there's the character development right there. There it is. Mm-hmm. It's nice. I like it. Yeah. So Dargo and Zan are talking, you know, what can we do for her? And mm-hmm. we find out that basically what's going on is the nerve that's been damaged helps to regulate or filter out toxins. And without that nerve, then toxins in her body are building up and slowly killing her. It's basically like kidney failure. Yeah, in a way it is. Because that's the same function that your kidneys provide is that, you know, filter out all the bad stuff from your body, and if they don't mm-hmm. work, then it builds up, and that's why people will have to go on to dialysis and stuff like that. Yes. And, and actually, kind of, uh, Dargo says, like, could you filter them out? And Zan's like, well, I don't have the ability to do that, you know. We don't have a space dialysis machine. <laughs> and I like that Dargo then points out, but Moya could, couldn't she? Yeah, because Moya's a living ship, and she has presumably similar filtration systems. Yeah. So, ah, I like this plan. I'm actually impressed that Dargo knows this much about Leviathans to come up with this idea. Yeah, so good one, Dargo. And we'll see how effective that is. But uh, meanwhile, back on the base, we're back at the bar with uh, Javio and Chiana, and... He in the previous scenes we've seen that Javio's kind of got his eye on Chiana a bit, mm-hmm. and now he's, he's like, like, "How much did you pay for her?" I, I wish John answered like, "You don't want to know." <laughs> uh, but now he's like, "Whatever uh, Larac heavy air quotes is paying you, I'll double it and come work with me because I like you." And we've got the close-ups of the two of them talking across each other, and Chiana's being her slightly mysterious and flirty self as usual and uh-huh. she's getting up in close to a lot of scenes with Chiana involve her getting almost close enough to kiss someone and then not and yeah. then sort of backing off a bit and she's like I'll think it over I like how Javio is like uh, why don't we continue this discussion in my quarters and Chiana answers with I don't do free samples but uh, while this has been going on we've had a scene with Jelena and John they've been waiting in Jelena's quarters 
-hmm. And uh, Jelena comes back in and says, okay, good news, we can get you a tissue sample. And John's like, great, how long is it going to take? It's like, it's already done, here it is. And she hands hands him a syringe because apparently they can can actually just synthesize it now. They don't need a donor, which sounds good. Uh, And we have, again, the return of the pipette uh, (laughs) injector. This one is painted black and red because it's peacekeepers. Yes, of course. (laughs) It's clearly the same prop, though. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's at least, it might not be exactly the same prop, but it's very clearly this uh, from the same box. Yeah. <laughs> it's the exact same object. And then, oh, we have a, a goodbye between John and Jelena. Because uh-huh. they thought they were never going to see each other again. Yeah. And there was definitely something between the two of them. And there still kind of seems to be those feelings there, but John is, you know, in love with Aaron at this point. Yeah, it's very clear that Jelena still feels strongly about John. John's emotions are yeah, uh, muted on this one because, like, I kind of moved on. You know, he does still like her and does still have some feelings there, but he's like, I've, I've also moved on past that, and it's yeah, kind of he, it's, he it's, doesn't say that. Though. It's no, no. All of this is in like the acting from Ben Browder and uh, Alyssa Jane Cook, who plays Jelena, and they do a great job in this. This is oh, it's such a like. It's it's kind of heartwarming and heart-wrenching at the same time. Yeah. Um, also, I love how, how right before he leaves, she kisses him on the eyebrow again. Yeah. Like, Continuity! See? Hey! <laughs> Maybe that's just a Jelena thing. Yeah, apparently it is, because <laughs> it wasn't Aaron's first reflex. Maybe it depends. I think I think Jelena is just awkwardly bad at kissing. <laughs> it's just like, ow! <laughs> I have a kissing problem. Boom! <laughs> 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 uh, but I like the the lines that they have when they're saying, you know, we we always seem to be saying goodbye to each other. You'd expect us to get better at it. Uh, it's, that's that's a good line right there. Mm. <laughs> so John's got the tissue sample now. He's on his way out. Everything seems to be going great. Seems to be going fine. But he walks past as he's walking down the long corridor in the Peacekeeper base. Who should step out? But Scorpius. He sort of walks past, gives him a look, and then. Scorpius kind of lingers on him, turns away, and now we hear, That man, he is an imposter. Seize him. And John's like, Oh, shit. (laughs) He starts punching up peacekeepers off him, which doesn't work, because six peacekeepers against one John, that's an easy fight. And uh, But what he does manage to do, so he gets beaten down, but he does manage to stash the tissue sample in like an alcove or like a little hole under one of the tables on one yeah. of the he hides, security he hides consoles. The sample so they can't take that from him. Yeah. So I just realized this now, but so we have Scorpius in this scene saying, uh, and we have the reveal of him knowing that John is an imposter mm-hmm. and the reveal of his, actually it's not a reveal because we heard him talk in that scene that we cut away to. I think I would have preferred it if we hadn't... I mean, we already established that that scene, the cutaway, didn't accomplish anything. It wasn't mm-hmm. useful. If that scene hadn't been there, then, you know, you see Scorpius. He doesn't say anything. and Then he doesn't say anything until this point. Yeah. And I think that would have been actually slightly better. Yeah, because then he's coming in here. He's a bit more mysterious and his voice yes. comes out of nowhere. And it's like, oh, crap. Yeah. What can this man do? Who is he? What? What? 
Yeah, what? exactly. I think I might have preferred that, like, to the, having that scene where he's talking to Javier, which doesn't do it. It's not necessary. No, it doesn't do anything. I think they should have cut that. Yeah, it's that only like seven, eight seconds. You could easily have cut that out, and that then the, this reveal here is like even even bigger. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, yeah. So the jig is up. <laughs> yeah. He gets dragged off to a merry-go-round. Yeah, this, uh, he's strapped into a chair which has like a big apparatus and a screen clamp, opposite of him. Yeah, clamps on his arms and on his head and there's a arcing tubing that goes over the top and there's a circular screen in front of him. Yeah. And this whole thing rotates on a plinth. Yeah. And he's on a merry-go-round. Sort of. It's not very merry. No. <laughs> it's really it's, not. No, it really isn't. That, that name is ironic. <laughs> And uh, there's uh, the female peacekeeper manning the controls off to one side. She actually arrives with Scorpius in a previous scene when we yes. first see him. And so she's clearly part of his retinue or whatever. She's not wearing like a normal peacekeeper uniform. She's like head to toe in PVC leather. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's be honest. Like the um, the gimp suit and the... there's, there's <laughs> a lot of... Um, Look, Gimp, Gimp Man has a style, and he likes his personnel <laughs> to follow through with okay. it. Okay, I've seen Farscape described as one American's journey into Australia's BDSM scene. <laughs> <laughs> and this episode is showing uh, why, why that's probably that's a fair description. You can see that as being accurate, yes. <laughs> oh, believe me, we haven't even started. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, <laughs> Okay. There's a reason these these series are rated 15 and 18. Okay, <laughs> then, you know, we'll get into that in, in uh, future episodes. Anyway, yeah. she's manning the controls. She's got red hair and, like, uh, purple lipstick. It's like a whole look. It serves to, like, differentiate uh, her and Scorpius has the same thing, to differentiate them from the rest of the peacekeepers. Yes. But the, this device that John is in is called an Aurora chair, and it's a, it's a torture device. In a way. Sort of. I also I also like how... John says, like, look, I'm Lorac, I'm a peacekeeper commando, and Scorpius like, no, that's off on all accounts. You look sebation, but your energy signature is all wrong. Yeah. And John points out, like, yeah, you're a peacekeeper, but you don't look sebation. Because Scorpius is actually not a sebation. He, his face is far more pale and, yeah. his, his, I mean, more fallen in. Yes, like his he's cheeks got and his eyes. Very seem... sort of sunken, very gaunt look on his face. Yeah. And like he's exceptionally pale, like almost bone white, but with dark sort of rings around the eyes mm -hmm. and pointed, jagged teeth and like black gums and grey lips. He reminds me of a vampire or a walking corpse. Oh yeah. Which, funnily enough, John <laughs> actually calls him Nosferatu at some point. Yeah, he do, he does that have that kind of Nosferatu look to him and uh, vaguely reptilian kind of look because there's a little bit of scaling around his uh, eye sockets. Yeah, I didn't notice that yet. But I think there's just it's very uh, subtly there. But although it is on his his uniform, like what he's wearing, the leather down the back is scale scales mm -hmm. as well. So they are kind of going for that cold, calculating kind of reptilian uh, vampire kind of look, and it works it pretty works. well. Scorpius's design is pretty strong because it stands yes. out from the other peacekeepers, and it's actually pretty iconic uh, in terms of Farscape things as well. Also, also creepy as hell. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it is. So Scorpius has strapped John into the Aurora chair. So I say it's a torture device. What it's supposed to do is extract memories from uh, people in the chair. It just also 
kind of causes them immense pain. Yes, until and they it kind scrambles of, up your mind. Yeah, and basically breaks them down. And yeah. so he's literally yeah. breaks your mind down into pieces. But Crichton is trying to fight it and continue the charade, and he's like, "No, I'm Lorac. I'm this." And Scorpius is like, "Right, turn it up." And he's like, "Oh!" And then we see actually see we zoom in on the on the screen, of the round screen across from Crichton, and we actually see flashes of previous episodes, like <laughs> yes, half a second bits, uh, even shorter probably, overlaid on each. Uh, well, we see following each other. We see that on the screen, uh, but we also see that that just gets cut in, like as a rig- as a yeah. cutaway, and it's very fast, very quick kind of flashes of basically the the entire previous season, yeah. every, every episode that we've been watching up to now. It's probably a scene from every episode in this. Yeah, and it, they're doing the Farscape rewatch. Oh my god, John is doing the Farscape rewatch on the Aurora chair. The poor bastard. Holy crap. <laughs> No, we've been strapped to the Aurora chair oh this whole time. Ah. <laughs> my mind, it is blown. That's what the chair does. It blows your mind into tiny pieces. Yeah. So, yeah, but Scorpius is already curious about, hmm, I saw a Leviathan in there. Was there a report about that at some point? Uh, we'll look that up. Uh. Yeah, there's uh, the captured prison transport and... So while this is going on, we do also cut back to Moya, and we see that Erin has been hooked up. She's kind of on like a vertical table, strapped up with her arms out to either side, which have tubings going off of them into Moya, and they're ready to start filtering out the toxins. It's not going to save her, but it's going to prolong things so that Crichton has more time to get back with the sample. She should be fine for a while. Yeah. Do you have any idea how they did that? Because this, because the muscles of Claudia Black are spasming, yeah. almost in beat with a heart. I don't know. Is she doing that herself, or are they using like slight electric shocks? Because it's it, I don't very know. much in sync at both arms and in her neck. I don't know actually. It. I wouldn't be surprised if Claudia Black is as amazing that she's able to do this on command. Yeah, probably. Like, <laughs> we've, we've seen her make up an entire language that sounds very convincing it's, and powerful. Yeah. Yeah, however they did it, it works pretty well. Mm-hmm. So Aaron actually asks who came up with the idea. Mm-hmm. And Zana's about the, to answer, like, actually it was, and she looks over at Dargo, who's giving her a look, it was Pilot. Yeah, for some reason Dargo doesn't want Aaron to know why, but... Actually, when Aaron passes out, he explains it to Zan, like, as a warrior, I should have respected her decision to die. Yeah. But I kind of don't want her to die. <laughs> and again, just that sentiment, like sentimental side of Dargo coming out now is just really, really great to see how much he's changed from the start with regards to his relationship to Aaron. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want, you know, he's like, I don't want my friend to die. Yeah, I like how he's honest about that. And it's actually, it's really kind of emotional. It's like, oh, oh. He cares a lot about Aaron. As initially, it was like as a comrade. Now, clearly, as a friend, and it's like yeah, a fellow they, warrior, even yeah. And they've all come together, which is just, it's really good to see all of that. Mm-hmm. Back on the surface, Chiana and Jelena have found out that Crichton's been captured, so they try to locate him. Meanwhile, Javio has you know, run a background check on the missing Leviathan and gives that information to Scorpius, and then Scorpius is going through Crichton's memories, and he's found Crace, and he's like, oh. Ah, Isn't that's that by Lock Trace? 
Yeah, I see. You accidentally... So basically, he's getting caught up on, you know, what happened. Yeah. Now, Scorpius is <laughs> doing the Farscape Rewatch podcast. <laughs> and he's like, oh, 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 I see what's going on here. Okay, okay. He's like, send out a message to Krace. Tell him we have Crichton. Yeah. Bring him here. This is the point at which he starts calling Crichton by name. Yeah. And so they've got that out of him. Yeah, so they know who he really is. Yep. Yeah, also I like at this point because the Leviathan uh, escape record shows that it had a Hynerian, a uh, Luxon, and a Delvian. Yep. But they can't place John or their female uh, companion, which is Chiana. Yeah, they turned up much later on. They got on board after the... Yeah, they haven't gone to those episodes yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they need to hurry up and uh, catch up on things. So they're going through John's mind even more. And then we get to a human reaction. We get to yeah. John's encounter with ancients and not John's dad. <laughs> yeah. fake, fake John's dad. So they're watching that encounter between uh, the ancient who's posing as, as John's father and Crichton asks him about wormhole technology. And I like that they actually get to see a deleted scene from yeah, that. Yeah, I was just, damn it, you <laughs> stole my thing. Ah, oh, you bastard. I was going to say the same oh, thing. I doubt it. They... Sorry, I, I, I thought you. I was afraid you'd skip over that without making that joke. Oh no, so I no! Like, I, I need to get in there. there. I was going there. <laughs> <laughs> no, they got they got the they didn't just get his memories. They got the DVD extras. They got the deleted <laughs> scenes as well. And yeah, apparently in that episode, like John doesn't remember it because his memory was wiped of this. But the ancients gave him wormhole technology and gave put wormhole equations in his head. Yeah, uh, John actually mentions like, wait, I don't remember this. Yeah. They, they didn't give him everything. They just gave him a bunch of equations and said, look, we're not going to give you everything because if you can't figure this out for yourself, you're not capable of using it or uh, using it wisely. Yeah. So we're just going to give you the hints, give you a general direction. You're already on the right track, but we're going to delete this specific part from your memory. Yeah, we'll put this in subconsciously to guide you in the right direction. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense because going back to a human reaction... Why does Crichton at no point ask, look, you guys have warm world technology, can you help me get home? <laughs> Even though they mentioned that they can only do it once to transport yeah. their civilization, he could have at least asked, asked for pointers. He apparently did. Yeah, they just neuralized him. So that's three episodes referencing back to. Oh, there's so much continuity in, in this episode, I love it. This episode actually bumps up Reaction a little bit. Oh yeah. So um, in the time between recording a human reaction and recording this, obviously the episode's gone up, and we had a comment actually pointing out that uh, human reaction does set up a, a longer thing, and this is the first we're seeing of that of the yeah, uh, one whole. It does and it doesn't, but. Yeah. Well, it, it it does in that it, it sets up the wormhole, you know, the ancients and wormholes. But then it's in this episode that we see... How much it actually... I mean, the episode technically didn't do anything, but the events in the episode correlate here. Yeah, it, bu it builds on what happened in that episode, in this yes. episode. But uh, Scorpius is very interested in the fact that John has wormhole equations buried in his brain. Yeah. Because it turns out that the secret project of the Gamak base is making wormholes. I like how Scorpius, even without not really saying it, John pieces it together, because Scorpius is like, well, that's why you came here. And John's like, why did... Oh, and he starts laughing, because at this point he's going a bit loopy. Yeah. Because actually, when they try to get to this information in his mind, they actually encounter a memory block, which the ancient put in there. They have to kind of force through it. By... Which is great for Creighton, of course. Yeah. By the way, he like... actually screams at that point, because I like how... 
up until that point, he's clearly in pain. But at that point, to get through the memory block, the, uh, Scorpius says, like, okay, pump up the juice. And then he starts screaming because that's yeah. when it really goes beyond the point. There are a lot of unflattering close-ups of Ben Browder. Yes. <laughs> Basically right up on his face as he's yelling in pain. And he's really selling that. Like, oh, yeah. It's it's kind of it's hard it to watch at points. Yeah. He's, he's tearing up, red eyes. Foaming at the mouth also, a little bit. Yeah, and also just going kind of off the rails. Oh, John. <laughs> it's the return of Loopy John. Yeah. <laughs> and when John goes off the rails, he goes off the rails. Oh, yes. <laughs> but uh, so that John's brain doesn't melt and start falling out of his ears before they get the information they want, Scorpius is like, let him recuperate. Then we'll stick him back in the chair. He actually says, oh, he seems to be a, 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 a very strong species, so let's, uh, let's let him recuperate and um, put him in the chair later. That's a series first. Somebody <laughs> pointing out that humans are actually kind of strong. Yeah, humans Nobody have... Ever, nobody's <laughs> ever done that before. <laughs> humans actually good at something. <laughs> like, all the other peacekeepers I've met, but we've met thus far have been laying in on him how, how much he's just, uh, an inferior species. Well, it's interesting because uh, peacekeepers seem to be, they're all about racial superiority and all that stuff. So it makes sense that they would, you know, be writing Crichton off as weak and inferior because you don't have mm. all the advantages that we have. Scorpius is, we're not quite sure at this point exactly what he is, but he doesn't look sebation. So I guess so, that one step of movement makes him more open-minded. He's a little bit more objective when it comes to mm, yeah, yeah yeah physical and like species ability like the whole thing with the peacekeepers is that they're mm. like we're better than everybody but scorpius not being a sebation is a little bit more objective about that and he's and that's the thing is that's also the kind of weird thing about scorpius is that he's not sebation but he's in a uh, position of authority at at a peacekeeper but, base yeah which Thus far, we've only seen being sebaceous. So he must be damn good at his job. Uh, it's just, yeah, this is, it's, it's weird to see a peacekeeper who's not sebation, but yeah, he's, he's got no hang-ups about, you know, sebations are better than everybody, <laughs> peacekeepers, <laughs> whatever. So John gets thrown into a cell. Yeah. And, <laughs> he, and we literally, meet half man with the iron face. We don't know his name at this point, but for the sake of ease of talking about things, this is Stark. Ah. And he has, yeah, he has like a metal mask over one half of his face. And yes. he's clearly quite mad. Yes, this actor plays him up marvelously. He's like, oh, because he, he's been put in the chair so many times it's driven him insane. And um, actually, John gets thrown in onto a mat. Piece of cloth. A piece you of can't cloth. call that a mat. Yeah, and he's like, no, that's mine. Get off, get off, get off. You go over there, you go over there. My side, your side, your side, my side, your side, my side, your side, side. my side. <laughs> and he's actually kind of has ownership over the chair. He, he claims it. He's like, it's my chair. He put Scorpy puts me in it all the time. Scorpy, Scorpy, and he's like, round, oh, oh. Round, round. and we see a bit of the brokenness of his mind, and like, oh boy, yeah. Fun fact: Stark is played by uh, actor Paul Goddard, who you may know from a few things. Probably, I guess, most well known. He played one of the agents in the original Matrix film. Oh. Yeah, he wasn't Agent Smith, but he was uh, one of the other two that was uh, following around trying to get Neo. That's where I know him from anyway, uh, other oh. than Farscape. Okay. Yeah, and he, he's an English-Australian actor. 
Oh. Yeah, he was born in Reading in England, which is not too far away from where I am, actually. It's not too far. Oh, but cool. uh, he must have, he's lived uh, quite a lot of time in Australia and, you know, makes sense. <laughs> what an Australian actor in Farscape Pie! <laughs> I've never... <laughs> never heard of such a thing. Also, actually, I want to point something out. Wayne Pig, uh, Pigram, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, who plays Scorpius, mm-hmm. is also Australian. Ah, which doesn't which surprise me. doesn't come through at all, though. Like, he has an impeccable kind of posh English oh, accent. That is actually very true. And I mention it. If you go and... I've, I've seen a few interviews with Wayne Pigram, and he has a heavy Australian accent when he's talking as himself. He's also unrecognisable because he's not under all that makeup. But, uh-huh. yeah, if you didn't know... If you weren't told, you have no idea, but... Yeah, there we go. More Australian actors in this show. And also, now we get to see John outside of the chair. For some reason, they put him back in his jacket. I don't know why. Uh, Probably don't want him to freeze to death. Sure. (laughs) I mean, it's not like they have a heater in that cell. It's it's Uh, basically a bunch of concrete, a few metal bars. Get out. Yeah. Um, But he's like his red-rimmed eyes. He's like looking really bad yeah and he's he's mumbling to himself danger john robinson danger he actually he's doing one of his references again he's like danger will robinson danger will robinson beware the chair <laughs> which is lost in space uh. from way back when <laughs> so back on moya the treatment is working erin's not deteriorating any further but she's not getting any better either no and but Moya starts having contractions. I mean, putting a strain on Aaron's system, so they're like, okay, 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 close it off, take her off it. <laughs> and they also ask, like, is Moya having the baby now? It's like, I don't know. Con- <laughs> so what, what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> contractions aren't a guarantee. No, actually, this, this is the thing, because uh, uh, okay, yeah, pregnant women will have, uh, sometimes have contractions even when they, they aren't ready to give birth yet. I, okay, that's true. We don't. So, is that well, yeah, having the same thing makes sense. I mean, but, we don't know if that's how that works for Leviathans. But, but let's assume it is. Especially okay, as okay. Pilot clearly has no idea if the kid I is mean, coming or not. From a television standpoint, this is the end of season one. They've, they stated previously in the in their last episode, like, we're going to have a baby soon. It's starting to have muscular contractions. Of course. The ba- of course the baby is actually coming. Like, like it would be the most un, uh, unideal time to have the baby. So they need to have the baby now. Exactly. So that's exactly when it's going to happen. Of course. <laughs> we don't find out in this episode, but that's my prediction for next week, for the last next few episodes. Trust oh, me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, because of that, they have to stop the treatment. So the pressure is back on. Yeah. Um, so back on the Gamak base, uh, Jelena and Chiana have uh, gone to try and hook into the control circuits to try and find out where Crichton is. And at this point, Chiana has been disguised. She's wearing a dark green jumpsuit and has a wig on. Jelena says, oh, even John wouldn't recognize you. And it's like, she and... just ran him like, that's a horrible disguise. <laughs> it's not great. She's actually like... got some kind of... Okay, so here's a fun thing. She's supposed to be wearing flesh tone makeup over her face to look like a sebation. Yeah, that's something I really like because her gray skin is original skin and there's pink <laughs> makeup over it because she can still see a very faint gray in the pink. Yeah, around the temples or, yeah, and around the neck. <laughs> when, of course, what they actually did was just clean the makeup off those parts. Yeah. 
<laughs> and maybe put it on very lightly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but her lips and her eyes are still very clearly... Uh... Yeah, and she's got a black wig on, and it's kind of coming down over the front of her face, I guess, to try and hide yeah. that. So they're on their way to try and hack in, and this is when Crace turns up, and when he comes into the Aurora chair uh, room, Stark's in there, being like, Yes! Yeah. <laughs> another you. round! Another round! Like... Just kind of... stark, ra- stark raving mad. My <laughs> yeah, apologies for that one. Fair. Fired, <laughs> but he's very kind of. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I thought as well. Because he's, especially once once they drag him out in, in, in the next scene, it's like, can I have another round? Can Let I have another on. round? <laughs> he's completely gone. Yeah, and so they drag him out, and because um, Chris is demanding Crichton, but Scorpius actually wants. Some, you know, he's not about to just hand over Crichton to Crace. He wants the wormhole technology information in Crichton's brain. Yeah. Crace tries to argue with him, and then Scorpius is like, you, you went renegade from Peacekeeper Command. You ignored orders to return home. Actually, I like how this sentence goes, because it's like, I order you to give him to me. You have a very selective uh, interpretation of orders, don't you? <laughs> you get, got orders to return to Peacekeeper Command, and then... Chris is like, I have no memory of this. I, I, I never received any such orders, which is bullcrap because in that old black magic, we know he got Yeah, we know he did. <laughs> four episodes. But remember, he killed his subordinates so that nobody else knew. Yeah. I mean, Peacekeeper Command knew. Oh, yeah. And so he's like, oh, you don't have any authority. You'll get Crichton, but only one, you know, once I'm done with him. And even though the chair might kill him. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's a risk Scorpius is willing to take. That's the stillmate he has to break, as he points, puts it. Mm. But then he's like, you know what? You know this human better than anybody else. Already calling it a human. Apparently that's information he also pulled out of him. Yep. You already know this human. What would convince him to cooperate? That's why he's brought Kreis here, because mm-hmm. he knows Crichton, and he's actually able to use Kreis's knowledge of Crichton to get leverage over him. He's not bringing Chris there to do him a favor and give him Crichton. No. He wants to use him. Scorpius, you magnificent bastard. Yes. I also like that, like you said, he calls, he says he's a human and he calls him Crichton. This is information that basically he gets off screen, but it's like, we don't see him like, oh, you're a human from, uh, oh, your name is Crichton. It's inferred much more subtly because he starts calling him by name, starts referring to him as human. And that's really good. We don't need to see him actually get that information. Mm. He, he might actually get part of that information from Crace. Because at that's some true. point, Crace calls, says, where is Crichton? And I like Scorpius' look on his face. Like, you know a lot more about this man than I thought. Yes. I mean, at that point, he, he's already started referring to Crichton by name. But yeah. he's like, But ah. it's, it does say a lot about what Crace knows. Mm. Well, he saw in the Aurora chair, the memories, he saw that old black magic. He saw Crace attacking Crichton and True. going, you know, off the rails a bit. Um, so he's like, yeah, you've got a relationship with this guy. I'm going to bring you in. Use your knowledge to get one over on him. Mm-hmm. And so then we go back to uh, Jelena and Chiana, who are in, like, kind of an access uh, area with some panels on the side. And uh, Jelena has brought a console with her to hack in. And um, they've found where John is and patches mm-hmm. through communications because there's a monitoring camera in the cell. And he's like, where are you? You know, what's going on? And she tells him to face away from the camera so that they can't see him talking. 
Because mm-hmm. then they'll assume that something's up. Cause she's... Yeah, because she's apparently cut the audio feed. Yeah. So then John says, okay, I hid the tissue sample here in a hole under this console. Chana, you go get that and get back to Moya, save Aaron, and I'll, you know... Leave me for now. Yeah. That's, that has priority. And I like that Jelena's like, whoa, 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 wait, what? <laughs> yeah. We're getting you out of there. No, 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 that's not priority right now. Yeah. And this is where Jelena starts to question at, once they've cut off, because... Yeah, because Chris uh, uh, turns up, and they're like, oh, yeah. crap, okay, cut the feed. Um, we'll... Yeah, we'll get back to Chris in a moment. But Jelena's like, why is he so prepared to put his own safety at risk for Aaron. Yeah, is it because he loves her? And... Chiana. Oh. You marvelous bastard. Well, because, yeah, Chiana says, no, he loves you. And Moya's crew will come back for John and for you. She lies. Yeah. Like... That's... She knows... At this point, Chiana knows darn well what John feels for Aaron. She's also figured out what Jelena feels for John, despite those things... Probably never been specifically stated to her. Yeah, but she's she's lying to get them out of there because it's like I'll give Jelena an answer that will satisfy her. Yeah, and she says once I get out, we'll come back with the reinforcements. <laughs> yeah, that's just a big I, lie to get out I, of there. I don't want to be rude, but Aaron and Dargo against the whole Peacekeeper base not, are not reinforcements. Nope, 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 nope. That's oh. Yeah, it's it's kind of uh, our heroes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Heroes between heavy air quotes. Well, that's the thing is we know that Chiana has a criminal past uh, with the Nabari, but yeah, oof, okay. The, I mean, on the other hand, like, what's she gonna do? Tell the truth here? Why? There's I mean, no real good reason for it. I mean, there's there's kind of you could probably try and stall for time, saying you know it's not important. Let's just get on with it. Um, but she's like, you know, I can just. I'll lie to her and tell her what she needs to hear to get me out of here. Yeah, makes sense. Yep, and that's what she does. And so uh, in the back in the cell, Crace is berating Crichton a bit, saying, and uh, speaking of lies, yeah, Crace is like, we've captured Moya and all your crew, and we'll let them go if John, if you stop resisting mm. the chair and give mm. us what we want. No, he's more specific. I'll return them alive. Yeah. I like that because John would have known, no, 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 you're not going to let them go. No, yeah. that's right, I'm not going to let them go. I'll bring them back alive instead of just kill them. John's suspicious of this, so he says, how are they right now? You know, what's their status? And says, they're all at full health, they're all unharmed. So Crichton's like, aha, I know you're bullshitting me now. Oh, right. Because Aaron's dying. <laughs> I hadn't even realized that. Wait, really? <laughs> No, I, th- I, th- I, no, I, I know why, what, what he was fishing for. I thought he got it when they didn't mention Moya's pregnancy, but I kind of totally forgot why this whole episode is taking place. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> yeah, he's like, ah, okay. So yeah, that line is BS. Yeah, I'm... he doesn't say this to, Cre- to oh, no, like Scorpius. He keeps that to himself. So he's like, right, well, I've got no incentive to stop resisting. Yeah. So, so you know, he doesn't actually have any leverage over over Crichton at all. But Crichton doesn't tell them that. Nope. And uh, so Jelena manages to cover up Chiana's escape because she rigs up a reactor overload. At least a false alarm. A false alarm of reactor overload. So the entire base goes crazy. Like, oh no! She's gonna explode! Everybody out! Immediate evacuation. And so Chiana is running through the corridors. She bumps into a peacekeeper guard and is like, oh, I'm sorry, please, let me go. Falls to the ground and like 
grabs the uh, tissue sample as she does that. It's like, yeah, very nice, sneaky. And so she goes to the hangar to try and get to Aaron's Prowler to get out of there. But uh, that's when Javio turns up, and she's still in disguise at this point, and of course he knows that she's Crichton's accomplice. Yeah, she tries to bluff through it, like, uh, there's something wrong with this prowler, uh, uh, there's something in the uh, exhaust fumes that... The stabilizer? Stabilizers, uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, I can repair it though, and he turns around to face it, and she's kind of looking down to try and hide her face, and it just doesn't work. No. <laughs> He's like, ah. He's gone like, hi, Gianna. What's up? And, okay, so she, they actually have a bit of a fight. She tries to kick the gun out of his hand, but he grabs it and she sort of ducks behind a canister, which he shoots, and then there's a jet of uh, fire coming out the top, which she then tips over and points at him and burns the fucker alive. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that. Holy shit. He pulls the, the hose off, he shoots it, it starts burning him like... Wait, the only logical conclusion is that, yep, that's exactly what she does. Tips it over. It's like, oh, she just burned a man to death. We see a bird corpse. Yeah, we see his corpse, like, on fire. Ray still charring. And, like, I had a very odd thought here. Go on. I was like, every prop maker in their house has a room where when they have a new person, a day over, it's like, Oh yeah, no, that's my that's my burnt corpse I use for my work. Like, <laughs> yeah, so you have to explain that. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, that that's for that's, a, that's for a thing. That's the episode. That's something a lot of episodes have. So they probably have one prop for this. They dress it up a little a bit couple, differently, yeah. film it from a different angle. But this is probably the burnt corpse for the, the guy. episode. That's metal AF. It's just like <laughs> I was expecting her to like maybe like. Do do like some kind of have a fight, knock him out. No, she just roasts him alive. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. Back when we met Chiana, the other Nabari, like she's capable of anything, and I'm starting to believe that. <laughs> yeah, she is. But she does get in the prowler and gets away and escapes. So she gets back to Moya, and uh, Aaron gets injected with the tissue sample. <laughs> she actually says, "So I'm not gonna die," and. <laughs> Uh, Dargo says, he says, I think he says, as, as, you, as you told me a while ago, you will die, but not today. Yay. Go for a loss, five episodes. Continuity. Oh, yes. And that, and that thing of reflecting back, you know, something that Aaron said to him and it's just mm-hmm. Dargo's it's, growth shows up a lot in this episode. Yeah. It's, this is clearly the point where Dargo's growth arc for the, um, season ends. I think this is yes. very clear. Like this is where we are now. Yeah. Um, it's a bit heavy-handed by referencing back to certain points, but uh, fair enough. It, I didn't think it was too he- heavy-handed, but yeah, there are some very like deliberate things like this, you know, yeah. as you once said to me. It's, it's, it's less implied and it's more... Direct. Direct. Yeah. Um, but she wants to see Crichton, and, and she's still kind of out of it a bit, and they're like, you'll see him soon. And they leave, and Dargo is actually going to stay and watch over her. Yeah, and they, he, he holds her hand and Aaron thanks him. Again, that's that's where I think Dargo's arc for the season ends. Yeah, because he's you know, he's accepted Aaron as a friend. Not as just a fellow as, soldier. Well, well that's what I mean, it's not just as it's Dargo as a Luxon, as we've seen, he has respect for fellow combatants and soldiers and all that stuff. As we've seen with John and Dargo, it's much harder to earn his trust as a friend. Yeah. So he will respect you if you're a soldier, just regardless. That's mm-hmm. 
but um, to earn his trust and be his friend is a lot more difficult because John had a big, big trouble doing that. In some ways, he still isn't. Yeah, but we saw in uh, Human Reaction, you know, shaking John's hand when mm-hmm. he says goodbye, and it's like, you know, they're clearly very close. And, and now, they're on first name basis now, because yeah. he calls him John. And now that's happened with Aaron as well, that he actually sees her as a friend and not just as a comrade and soldier, mm-hmm. which is a big deal for Dargo, because that takes a lot of effort to get there. Yes. Which is why I really like all those scenes in this episode, because it's like, yes, okay, that's some big, that's a big change mm-hmm. particularly from the beginning which is and well earned i feel yes yes absolutely well earned so back on the base john's uh popped back in the chair back uh-huh. in the aurora chair uh-huh great another <laughs> round scorp is told there's a missing prowler and then he realizes the whole thing the reactor stuff the it's all a diversion and he wants to know who triggered it and the peacekeepers don't know he, and he turns and says john will tell us oh. yeah and they Turn up the chair again. Crichton screams. We have a big close-up of his face. We fade out. To be continued. Yes. Oh. Actually, first episode that that has a to be continued ending. That was uh, that was the episode. That's where it ends. That's oh. where it ends for us as well. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that'll be continued next week. But holy crap, what do we think of this week's episode? It's good. It's really good. <laughs> it's pretty freaking good. Yeah. It ties a lot of things together because Jelena shows up again. Uh, we have references to several episodes, five to be exact, that have a very clear connection to this. Yeah, we see Dargo's growth as mm-hmm. uh, the bond between him and Aaron. Uh, we see Chiana making, uh, you know, Chiana getting to actually do something. She's she's very clearly now part of the entire series. And we've right. introduced Scorpius, who is yes. already really good. Yeah, spoilers, he's going to show up more. Oh, yeah, we'll be seeing more of Scorpius, don't you worry. People who are watching this around for a second time will know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and there's Crace shows up again, yep. we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, Crace is kind of not really in this episode a whole lot. He's used as a tool by Scorpius. Yeah. I think the only thing that I can think of that I didn't like was like we said that scene with that cutaway, that cutaway to Javio and Scorpius which wasn't really necessary it was a little distracting but I don't think it detracted hugely it was just like uh, that didn't need to be there it would have been better if it wasn't there I think mm-hmm. do we want to give a rating? I'm gonna give it a 5 yeah but I, I, I'm getting the idea that if we keep going that this, this is gonna move to a 4 because I think there's we'll gonna be it's gonna the line. I think at this point the line is gonna go up. Yeah, but I yeah five out of five. It just it's so good. It's it ha- it, it finishes one of the characters' arcs. Uh, it puts a lot of twists and turns. We have several things coming together continuity wise. It just it really starts to make everything feel cohesive because previous episodes there's been a bunch of like standalone one offs of like which is a, fine. Which yeah that's that's fine. That's that's great, you know. Uh, because like, even in those one-off episodes, there was still the growth of the characters in there. Yeah, the characters were still the through line, even if an episode... Uh, like, you name that scientist. The only growth that happens in that one is that Aaron has a strong connection to Pilot and Moya <laughs> from that point on. Yeah, strong connection to Pilot is putting it mildly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, that's 
self-contained episode, but still those tiny things are in there. Like, uh, Back and Back and Back to the Future, again, is very self-contained. Actually, Back and Back and Back to the Future has a very strong connection to this episode very tangentially because they say that uh, one of the Ilonics mentions that Luxons truly are the best friends. Yeah, that's but true. But it takes a while to get them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. But, okay, so looking back on this series, Farscape is a lot stronger when it does tie all this stuff to- together. And um, that's actually kind of one of its selling points in that you look at something like Star Trek series. Like, yeah. let's say, I don't know. Next Generation. Next Generation Voyager. DS9 is a bad example because it does actually the same thing. But it's um, like they would do like a one-off episode, Monster of the Week kind of thing, like mm-hmm. a problem of the week, and it never gets brought up again. Yeah, it actually things they invent at that point don't get used in other episodes. Yeah, there's and there's also the whole like the classic example for me is Voyager does this all the time, but like the Tuvix episode where they combine Tuvok and Neelix and then have to kill that person to get them both back, and it's a huge moral dilemma and it's a big deal, and the Janeway makes a questionable decision which is never mentioned again yeah it's not like tuvok and neelix suddenly have a lot more appreciation for each other no like like nothing nothing really changes with regards to the characters if it does it takes a really long time in Mm -hmm. farscape everything matters to some extent yes and when it starts to do episodes that are tying previous things together it really starts to get because then you notice how well They've been laying threads between the episodes. Because then once you start tugging at them, you see how many episodes are pulled in. Yeah. That's why we didn't like Jeremiah Jeremiah Crichton so much. Because it doesn't do that. It does basically none of that. And And Jeremiah Crichton also never gets brought up again. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Aside aside from us bringing it up over and over again. Well, just kind of because it's an outlier of like an example of uh, Farscape doing stuff really wrong. And this episode is just like, we're going to bring everything together. We're going to make everything start to come to fruition. And then all the, yeah, like you said, all the thread that we've laid is going to start getting tied together. And this is like part one. Okay, so like the next, this is technically this is part one. And then Hidden Memory, the next episode is part two of a two-parter. And then there's uh, Bone to be Wild after that. And then after that is Family Ties, which is part one. And then season two, episode one, is a part two. It's like a whole mishmash of um, like two-parters. But really, this is part one of four of the end of yes, season one. definitely. And it's all coming together, and it's just really solid. We've got a great villain in Scorpius. We've got Krace back. We've got... Uh, Jelena. We've got Jelena as well. We've got all of this stuff. We've got Crichton being tortured and... You know, memories, memories that apparently weren't we didn't know were there. Got more stuff about wormholes, and it's all starting to come together, and it's really freaking good. It's good. <laughs> it's a good episode. So yeah, that's a nerve. That's it for this week. Yeah, what an episode that was. That's the best so far, I think. Mm, I don't know. PK Tekka was pretty strong. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's close. I, I, it's close. It's 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 close. It's a good episode. It earns that five. Oh yeah, it does. It's great to finally see Scorpius show up and know that we're going to be seeing more of him. Yes, definitely. Oh yes, and we will be seeing more of him next week in episode twenty, the hidden memory. I mean, you can probably figure out what's going to happen, at least in a very vague sense, because the 
first line of the summary is after a partial recovery, Eren leads Zan and Dago to the Gamak base to rescue Crichton. I mean, yeah, I figured that was going to yeah. happen. That's all I'll say because there's no. plenty more, and we'll see all of that next week. And I'm I'm looking forward to it. This one was a lot of fun to watch, and yeah, there's so much to talk about. This is probably end up being a longer episode because you know there are things to there's there's meat. There's a lot. There's it's very dense. Yes, exactly, and I love it. I love it so good. All right, but we'll be back next time for Hidden Memory. In the meantime, you can find us both on social media. Find us on Twitter. I'm at Hats, Red Set, Vidalkin, and Tree. Yes. And we have the YouTube page for previous episodes, youtube.com slash Hats. Also, this podcast is brought to you by the general support of the Cantwell Hats Patreon, which supports uh, my projects, including live streams, YouTube videos, and the podcast. And that is patreon.com slash Hats. And thanks to everyone who has supported us. We're almost at the end of this first series of Farscape Rewatch and it would not have been possible without your support so thank you everyone and we'll see you next time for Hidden Memory Bye. Bye! Hats, I've been wondering do you really need to use a round spinning chair with a circular screen that kind of melts my brain to rewatch these episodes? It has a warmer sound!